One of my favorite movies is Shawshank Redemption, and there's a moment where Andy Dufresne says it's really pretty simple. You're either going to get busy living or you're going to get busy dying. And what Andy Dufresne was really talking about was in Philippians 1 when Paul says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Both are options, but if you're going to live, live and to live is Christ, and whatever the answer to that question is for any of us, to live is, if it's anything but Christ, it's a moving target. Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. He doesn't change. So if you're trying to live for your spouse, they change. I am probably, what, 10 times better looking than when you married me? I've changed. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? I mean, a solid five times better. So we change. So if you're, if you're to live is your children, they change. They go on journeys up and down, and there's things you can't control. And so if it's to live as them and you're holding on to that, then when that's taken away from you, the hope is pulled out. And so to live is Christ, to die is gain. And then I was reading in Philippians this week, and it was just, it was really speaking to me in, in uh, Guatemala. There's a team right now that's on a plane of 27 conduits headed back to Nashville. And uh, they, they had a great week, and I'm glad they're not here because there's nowhere for them to sit, really. I guess there's some place in the back, but it works out. That's how we're going to do That's our church growth plan right there. No, we're just going to keep sending people on mission trips, and so we we'll, don't have to worry about building anything. <laughs> Philippians 2, verse 12, Paul says, Therefore, and whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, what do you do? You look to the verses before to see what it is there for. So you go back up to uh, verse 9, and it says, therefore. So, okay, we got a therefore of a therefore. So back to verse 5, 6, actually. He says, he talks about your attitude should be the same as Christ, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. God became man and made himself obedient to death. The very thing he's about to defeat, he became subject to. Therefore, because of that, because of what Jesus did, God exalted him, speaking of Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I promise you, they're not, at the end of time, we're not going to be saying that because someone's got a sword up against us. We'll be saying it because it's true. Therefore, because of that, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, Paul's in prison, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining. Kids, this is your Father's Day verse right here. I want this to be your life verse. Do everything without complaining or arguing, siblings. 
so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, then I am glad and rejoice with all of you. And so you too should be glad and rejoice with me, written from prison about to be executed, the Apostle Paul. Let's pray. Jesus, would you give us wisdom today? I pray that... uh, your words would be a lamp and a light as we just breathe in your spirit today. Breathe in life. And everything is moving so fast out there, God, but in here, together as a family, we just downshift. Countercultural, raging against the machine of busyness by being peaceful. Would you make that alive in us today, Lord? It's in your name that we pray. Amen. You know, we've been talking a lot about this idea of this thirst for meaning and the quenching of what that looks like in our life. And then most of us, we thought, if I could just accomplish this, if I could just be successful enough, if I could just get enough hits on the radio, if I could just get enough money, if I could just get enough of what... And those of you that have been to that side know that it was pretty meaningless. It's awesome, right? But it didn't satisfy that thirst inside of us that Jesus said he wanted to quench in John chapter 4 with his Holy Spirit. And as we talked about what that looks like, the, uh, developing that, the spirit, the gifts inside of us that he's put in us in Romans 12 and I think that it would be, uh, we would be remiss, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the idea of, well, God has done this inside of me, now what do I do with it? Where do I aim this gift to deliver it, you know, d- discovering it and developing it, but then delivering the gift is everything. Because in between you and the, the world, the God wants to do some amazing things. It may be across the world, it may be across town, It might just be across the hall. But he wants to deliver that gift through you. And the question is, how do I know where that? How do I know? There's this big world out there. There's people are telling me I need to be passionate about this or I should do that. Or the TV says there's kids starving in Africa, but then these people say that there's this, I got to help with the addicted people in Colombia, but I got to volunteer in the nursery. And before you know it, you're overwhelmed with opportunity. So how do I know? Jesus didn't call you to burn out. He called you to burn bright. And the fire of the Spirit continues when it's got a fuel inside. And so I I wanted to share with you what I think there are four things on this. I don't know, maybe it's a road map would be one way to look at it. These things along the way are on your journey to figuring out what that purpose is. That you can live this fulfilled life has nothing to do with how much or how little that you have that there are clues along the way, and the scripture gives us, I'm gonna share the four that I think that these four things and some variety of them sort of uncover the purpose that God has for you. 
And that is true whether you're a, a single mom in a slum in Guatemala or you are a mom here in Williamson County or you are a, f- a single dad or a married dad or you maybe you never had children. But you, this is true of you. But I think that if you, I mean, look at the idea of your people. Who are your people? You're looking all the way around, the, where am I supposed to go? But who are, somebody gave us one of the greatest compliments when they came to Conduit and they're like, it's like I found my people. Who are your people? In Acts chapter 6, we don't have time to go there, but go back and look later in verse 54, 55, 56, 57. The Greek widows were being overlooked in the distribution of food. And you know why? Because there was food being distributed. And I say that only because in our modern vernacular of a church, we, we, we say, well, we've got to have a worship ministry, we've got to have a youth ministry, we've got to have a, a hospitality ministry. We gotta, and those are all important, but they started with the widow ministry. It's important. There's a reason why Conduit wrote a check this week for $8,000 to plant a church in uh, Uganda. There's a reason why we're about to introduce you to Melissa of thousands of dollars we put there. We're putting our money where our mouth is. We're putting our money where... Jesus' mouth is. There's a reason why we're dropping a quarter of a million dollars to renovate Place of Hope because Jesus loves them so much and we get to show them that. So that's a ministry. But the problem was, was that like any ministry, now we're distributing food. Well, these folks weren't getting enough and these folks were getting too much. And the apostles said, hey, it's not good for us to wait on tables. When I was in Bible college sometimes, I went to, I was a waiter and that was my life verse. Uh, it is not good for us to wait on tables. I don't want to be a waiter. <laughs> oh. But that wasn't what they were saying. What they were saying was it's not, a, it's not that it's beneath them, it was above them. Meaning that they're just bad at math. They're just really bad at figuring this stuff out. So let's put together seven men full of the Holy Spirit, it says. How many gifts were in Romans 12? Seven. But they're people. They, they, they choose seven. One of those, the first time we, we meet a guy named Stephen in the scripture. But of those seven, five of them, for sure, maybe four, but for, for sure four, maybe five. Their names, you could see it in the, in the text. They were Greek. These were their people. They were being overlooked, so we're going to put in charge these seven people to figure this out. But four or five of them, at least, they're probably their mamas. It's their people. Who are your people? There's a clue in that maybe where God wants you to deliver this gift that he's put inside of you is who are your people? Who's all around you? Who's across the hall from you? Who's your mama, your daddy, your daughter, your cousins? Your, who are your people? There's a clue in that. There's another clue in the scripture in, in your pain. So for some of you, it's, it's your people, but then there's maybe a very specific pain that you've experienced. First, 2 Corinthians 1, 4, he says, hey, in the same way that you were ministered to, now you can minister to others. Last year, uh, a part of our church family named Lynn Simpson uh, began to share for the first time publicly ever that when she was younger in the early 70s that she had had an abortion. She'd never told anybody. And you know what happened when she shared that story that morning and and prayed about it, other people began to say, I thought I was alone. I thought I was the only one. We had a church, I remember, what do we call ourselves? Church family. 
lady that was up in her 80s said, I, I, when I, back in the 60s, I did it, and I, my husband made me. It was illegal, and I never told a soul. And she said, I think maybe God let me live this long only so that I could finally feel freedom and forgiveness. Because out of her pain, of Lynn's pain, she began to minister to others in the way that she had been ministered to, 2 Corinthians 1, 4, her pain. Your passion, you've said, well, Darren, you said don't follow your passion. That's true, that's a terrible, terrible piece of advice. That's what Beyonce wants you to do. Don't do that. My passion, my heart has told me to do some dumb things. But Psalm 37 forces to delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, when I was younger, I thought that meant I'd just be really good and God will give me a new car and give me new things and new, you know. Sounded great, it just didn't work because it wasn't true. He will give you, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. The reason why Jesus would withdraw every day is a chance for him to be filled with the spirit, delight in the Lord, and then that desire that's coming up inside of you is probably the spirit leading you towards something. And it probably has something to do with the pain that you've experienced and probably has something to do with the people that you have been put around you. And the fourth thing is prison. What is the prison that you've experienced or are experiencing? Paul writes Philippians from prison. He says just a few verses earlier in chapter one that because of my imprisonment, many have come to know the Lord. He ends Philippians saying, even members of Caesar's household have come to the Lord. Caesar Nero. That's like saying that Osama's brother came to Jesus. Like, this was a big deal. And it happened because he was in prison. And in that prison, in your life, the prison might be something that you didn't choose this in your marriage. And now you're trapped. You might, you might have even chosen the debt that you got into and you feel trapped. But maybe in that frozenness, I can't move. Look around you. What is Jesus telling you to do right where you are? Maybe he stopped you for the same reason he stopped Paul. Paul, how do you stop a guy that's been shipwrecked, snake bit, beaten, arrested, and he won't shut up? He won't quit. He keeps going. God put him in this prison, and from that prison, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. It's the only way you could get him to sit still long enough. Maybe the prison that you feel today, as much as you hate it, as unfair and unjust as it is, that God can use that to bring peace to your life and to slow you down like he did with Paul. These four things in some varying degree in the scriptures, I believe, sort of become a roadmap to where you should deliver the gift that's in front of you. An example of this that's happening in our church right now is what's going on at Place of Hope. When I was a little guy, I was fifth grade, my dad had gotten real sick. Nobody knew what was going on. And they were taking him from doctor to doctor to doctor and they take him to a, a mental ward at a VA hospital in Omaha, Nebraska. Because they said he's crazy. We went up there to visit one day with my, my grandma and my mom. And I, I didn't hardly recognize him. He had lost so much weight. And then he went back up to his room. And those days, kids, I don't know if they are now, but those days, kids weren't allowed to go to the room. And so... We were sitting down and waiting for dad for, or for mom forever and for grandma. And, and we were so irritated because we didn't have, you know those things you guys with the phones? We're just sitting there for hours. All we wanted was a happy meal. 
What I didn't know until years later was that day when they took him back upstairs, he flatlined. And they had to bring him back with, and he had a journey that he said to hell that he'll never forget. But listen, on that day, what happened was, what, the reason he flatlined was he was, uh, he was, they were, he was coming off of prescription painkillers. They didn't know that he was addicted to prescription painkillers. This is before this was normal. He had been doctor shopping. He was hooked hopelessly. So on that day, what happened is his heart stopped because he was uh, detoxifying his body, and it was not the way that you should do it because it's very dangerous. That day, they actually, the next, uh, about a couple days later, my, my, uh, my best buddy's dad, Dwayne Covey, who was our chain-smoking uh, Marine Semper Fi, uh, Bible study leading, <laughs> he'd just be pounding marbles without filters. <laughs> On the book of uh, Corinthians, <laughs> and we were... <laughs> We're like, is that the smoke of the spirit? I don't even know what that is. But we didn't know. He went up the next day with my pastor and my mom and a couple others, and, and they broke him out of that. And they were like, you know, well, you can't leave him right now. It's dangerous. And like, well, there, we can do this the hard way, or we can do this the easy way. Like a good Marine, right? He said, I'll kick every door down in this place, or you can show us where he is. And so they took him down to, uh, fascinatingly enough, the Oral Roberts City of Faith. And they knew within minutes, this guy's been addicted to drugs. Of course he's, you know. So they put him in, and they, they were praying with him. And uh, he came out weeks later uh, on the other side and is, is, uh, never uh, bothered with prescription drugs again. So that's the story of my childhood. Ten years ago, I find myself on the board of directors for a place called Place of Hope in Columbia, Tennessee. I was on there for probably two years before it hit me. <gasps> oh, that's why I'm so passionate about these people. This is my story from my pain, from my past, and they're my people. Most of them there are rural poverty. That was me, man. Government cheese, beat up old cars, just rednecks. That's where a lot of people come into place of hope are from rural poverty, rural Tennessee. They got hooked on well, the opioid epidemic is, is happening right here in our community. And now it's like, oh, duh, that's part of it. They're my pain and my people and pointing me towards that. And so this week, um, Shannon has been very busy down there. And she loves it when I give her the microphone. <laughs> Take a deep breath, baby. Tell us, so Shannon is overseeing, most of you know this because you've been here, but just in case you're visiting, our church received a radically generous donation of a quarter of a million dollars, and we are repurposing the entire interior of this place so that even if your own family, if somebody in here needs freedom, you can have it. There's no charge. We don't, there's, we don't take any money. It's all funded uh, through donations and stuff. So that Shannon went down there to deliver it. Well, keep in mind, we've been on the same, uh, we're married, I'm on the board, but it's the first time she's had a chance to really deliver her gifts there. So she's overseeing this massive renovation. There's my dear mother-in-law. <laughs> she looked very surprised at that photo. She's not happy about that. Uh, I show you that because that was the church carpeting that was probably by a church designer from the 1980s that chose that carpet. Uh, but look what they found underneath of that. That's part of the historic home that's 194 years old, and it was covered with a layer of plywood, old VC2 tile, and then that carpet. And so, and they swore to me there wasn't hardwoods under there, but when they started pulling it up, we found it. So yeah, look what we're in the process like right of restoring that. 
But I think what's funny, oh, this is not my gift talking, so I get really You're doing nervous. really good. You're even on stage this time. <laughs> but two things. In the beginning of 2016, I really felt like God was telling me to give purpose to the pain. So this was part of that. And then the beginning of 2017, I really had on my heart to, I wanted to renovate something. I don't even know if you knew this. Yeah, because you were doing it to our house. Yes, yeah. we were building a house. But I'm like, yeah. this would be just really fun. And I was thinking it might be one of the little houses on Woodland Street. Um, but anyway, and then it wasn't a month later that this donation came in. And then they asked me to How about renovating it. that? So <laughs> that's what we're working on. Um, <laughs> That's 42,000 square feet. Over there where that office at admin kitchen, that's the historic home. We're doing just the bottom floor of that office, office, kitchen, dining. We're not doing the kitchen, but anyway, all the way through. And so we're on that last blue section up on the top right is what we'll start this week as far as um, the flooring, removing all the old stuff, putting in the new but here's what I think is, you're great. You're renovating floors, you're renovating rooms, but you're part of renovating lives. Yeah. Tell us about her. Mm, sweet. This is sweet Victoria. Um, she's a young, young girl. I think she's 25 or 26. And she just graduated the program. That was the day she was leaving. And she's from East Tennessee. And this girl is a young mom, has two kids, who is survived addiction. She's had two strokes and is literally a walking miracle. Um, but she was able to come there and find hope and find Jesus. And I think along the way of using our gifts, we think it's just renovating something or doing something. But God, like these kids are like my family now. And this, this mama right here went through this program. 10 years ago, and I'm so proud of her, but God's moving her back there this week to live and continue to bring hope. So even through our pain, God's giving us purpose. (laughs) (laughs) And then he makes you stand in front of talk, talking in front of people. So it's right here in the Bible. Work out your trembling with, or your salvation with fear and trembling. Yeah, I'm just giving you the word. No, but truly, yes. Six months to a year ago, I could not stand in front of people. Yeah. Because so that's part what, of my pain is anxiety and depression. And, so how can we this week help this process with you? What do you need from us this week? I really need some people to help haul stuff off. We have pulled so much out of that building, you would not even believe and we've made multiple trips to dump and donation and, and wherever, and we have a lot of stuff still that I need help hauling off old mattresses. We've been able to put new mattresses in, so I need a lot of help with that. Okay. Email okay. me, Shannon at conduitchurch.com. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, babe. I'm proud of you. So Melissa um, Irwin, I was just with her husband and son Asher for a week in Guatemala. I got back last night. They get back today. But uh, nine years ago, Melissa, yeah, went to Zimbabwe for the very first time in 2008. And uh, tell us about that, like what was going on in Zimbabwe during that time. It's easier when you ask me questions. <laughs> okay. Like, no, I'm kidding. Um, 
well, in Zimbabwe at the time, they had no currency. It had uh, inflated, deflated, blew up. They had yeah. no currency. Um, and I ended up going to Zimbabwe by myself to serve orphans because I knew that I was called to do that. Right. Now, let that uh, set in for a minute. Who went with you? Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> to Zimbabwe mm -hmm. by yourself. Mm -hmm. Who gave you permission? Nobody. <laughs> You didn't have to sit around and wait for the church to take a vote. It was just if the Lord, the Spirit said go. Yeah. So she went. And I say that because there's power in doing something stupid. <laughs> there is. There's sometimes the Lord has said do this and common sense says don't send mom to Zimbabwe. When Robert Mugabe, if you're a geopolitical nerd like I am, this guy's a nut job. He's still in his 80s. He's still there. He won't die. He's in his 90s. 90s. Mm -hmm. So you go there and you, get, you land in the airport I land in the airport at 10 at night. Um, I truly didn't know if I was walking into um, a genuine, safe scenario or not. You so were not, yeah. I had, a, uh, I had an escape that. plan, uh, or at least I thought I had an escape plan just in case the people that were picking me up were scary. Um, but the, the country was really just not even operating, and there was no electricity or power of any kind at the airport. There were people walking around with flashlights. Um, at the airport. Saying, go here, go here, <laughs> in the middle of the night. There was actually, I didn't tell you this earlier, but, and I don't know why, things happen in Africa the way they do, but there was rotted beef in, like, stacks in the airport. Having to walk through like that. Why, I do not know. No. Well, there's no air conditioning. I'll tell you why. Well, but <laughs> oh. why was there beef? beef. Well, they were trying to have a Father's Day, and they didn't. Um, okay. <laughs> it's like, that's not how that works. Yeah. Okay, so fast forward. Now it's nine years later. Uh, you've got four homes over there mm -hmm. because God said go do this, and you are the, the director, the founder of the U.S. version of the side of this. And one of those homes was about to be sold because the economy is still bad. And so the owner of this home needs to sell it for her own. And she's going to sell it to you or she's going to sell it to the first person to come drop $55,000 on her. Right. Okay. So you told us about this a couple months ago. Mm -hmm. that you needed $55,000 to buy this or these kids are going to end up on the streets. Okay. And how much money, how many thousand dollars did you start with when you said that? Zero. None thousand dollars, okay. Well, to be fair, I think by the time that that was shared, we had raised about $15,000. That was very hard. When raised. we shared it, but very. not when you, yeah. No, when I started, it was zero dollars. Yeah, none thousand, yeah. yeah. So we, you begin to tell and use your influence and your people, <laughs> your passion. How many thousand dollars do you have? Now, you leave for Zimbabwe at four o'clock in the morning. Yes. How many thousand dollars do you have now? 42,500. A lot of people in this room have, have been a part of that. Yeah, because yeah. your people are mm -hmm. part of your story. I was telling her son, Asher, this week a story. So I was trying to, I don't know, I'm trying to be wise because sometimes I do that. And I was telling him, hey, you know, I was telling stories of missionaries that I know that have gone to India and they needed $12,000, but when they got on the plane, they didn't have it. And by the time they landed, it was miraculously provided. And, and his response after I'm so eloquent, he says, well, I mean, it really is a long flight. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is, Asher. Yes, it is. So you go tomorrow, and it is my belief that God uh, didn't send you out there. He put you out on the waves, not to drown, uh, 
because he wants to do something miraculous. So I want to pray with, with Melissa, and, uh, and if the Lord puts it on your heart today, if it's a part of your passion, uh, I, I truly believe this, that God puts those things inside of us. Because let me, if everybody had the passion I had for Africa, uh, Uganda, then nothing else would get done in the world. So God gives each of us a passion for these things, Right? And so your, your goal is a treasure hunt. You're not looking for money. You're looking for people who have a treasure in their, their heart for specifically orphans in Zimbabwe. If that's you this morning, then, which is why we can say that without being any fear that it's going to affect our tithes and offerings, whatever, because if the Lord puts your heart to do that, that's not going to affect us. So if it is, they can give to you by how? How can they give? They write a check to BFGO, Beautiful Feet Global Outreach, or they could go online. Beautifulfeetgo.org. And that's from scripture, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. It is beautiful. Let's pray for Melissa and pray for her husband. He's literally, he lands today. She tags out. It's like a tag team wrestling match. She's tagging out. Joe and Asher, hello, goodbye. Yeah. Yeah, it's a long time apart. Jesus, thank you so much for Melissa and her courage and her bravery. Um, That bolsters my faith, Lord. I'm bolstered by the idea that someone just like me, just a normal person, that you put on their heart and you gave them a passion and you surrounded them with the people, that now she's going out tomorrow. I just believe, I can see it in my mind's eye, this house is paid for. These kids are not going anywhere. You've sent her all the way around the world and these kids can now know that Jesus had their back. He had their back so much that he'd send a mama from Tennessee to tell them that. And Lord, I'm reminded once again that you don't send us to those places just because you love the people we're going to. You send Melissa to Zimbabwe because you love Melissa. And you want to bolster her as well and bless her. So we thank you for the courage and we just pray right now expecting in faith that this is provided and done, as good as done, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. Here, so they, you hang out down here to, if they has any questions. You can find her afterwards down here. She's going to hold some babies and be reminded why she didn't want more babies. And then <laughs> she, that's what she said. <laughs> she was saying that earlier. Anyway. Okay. Well, uh, these are the examples that we have right in front of our face. Paul says this, that he, you know, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I don't believe it's working out to your, because I believe you're saved, saved. Paul says that in other places. You're saved not by works, but by grace, lest any man should boast. So you're not working out your salvation the way this verb is written out is you're working out of your salvation. Okay, does that make sense? You're saved because Jesus did this, because of his mercy, all that. From that, now I'm working out my salvation. I'm working out of it. And I believe, I was joking with Shannon, but it's really true. The fear and trembling is because on the other, there's things he's gonna ask you to do that are scary that are going to require some bravery and some courage. This past weekend uh, in Guatemala, I took my boy with me. Ethan versus the volcano. There's a volcano on the, somewhere in your life, right, that's, that's causing you to back up and to be scared, and the only way through it is over it. So we hiked that volcano. <laughs> Not that specific one, but one called Pacaya that's also active. It shut down the whole country two years ago. Like erupted ash everywhere. But we walked up to the top of that thing. And I remember when I was a kid, I was 16 years old the first time I hiked that volcano. And I came back down realizing, man, there's on the other side of fear, 
On the other side of that fear, man, there's a feeling that no drug can give you. Facing down the fear that's right in front of you, whether it's across the world or across the hall, that working out your salvation with fear and trembling as you're moving forward into something that God has for you and he has your best interests in mind and there is a freedom and there's a feeling when it says about becoming alive. I mean, that's when Jesus says, I've come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. The enemy, Jason Cruz, and he says this, he, the, the, he pointed this out that when Jesus said that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, he said he only comes to steal. That's it. Every morning you wake up, he has one idea for you. Steal you from you, kill you, destroy you. That is it. But Jesus says, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The sacrifice we make is a living sacrifice. And it doesn't always mean it's going to be easy and it doesn't always mean that it's going to work out the way that you thought. But the life that he's talking about is not just you. A machine can keep you alive. You understand that. You can plug a machine and your heart will keep beating and your lungs will keep breathing, but it doesn't mean you're alive. There is no machine for this. Last night, I, uh, I landed at uh, Nashville about 6.30 or 7 o'clock and I went uh, immediately to, to Vanderbilt. For those of you that remember Greg, he spoke just a, about 45 days ago. And if you were not here I promise you that it will be worth every second of your time to go and listen to the podcast from that day. It was the only time in the history of our church we posted both podcasts because both from both services were so profound and so meaningful. Greg, five years ago, was diagnosed with colon cancer and was given three years to live. That's five years ago. Greg is entering a, a part of his life now where he calls it moving to the front of the line. That those that have gone beside him and before him, that they've moved to the front of the line. It's the reminder that this life isn't all we have. And I was sitting there last night praying with him and a, and a nurse came in and he can't hardly even speak right now and he pulls the oxygen off long enough to ask her her name and introduces her to me. He says, is it Corey or Tori? He wants to make sure he's got it right. And he's praying for us. He's praying for you. And as I was reading this in Philippians, he says, even if my life is being poured out as a drink offering, at some point on all of our lives, when we pour out our lives, we, the water comes in and the wine comes out, the spirit being poured out as wine onto the drink offering as a celebration for God. And we can continue to do that because as we are be being filled, we are always being filled with the spirit, that that water comes into us and the, the wine comes out. At some point, this vessel and this tent is done. Not that the spirit is gone, but our body is. And at that point, we will be with him immediately, it says. And here's the beauty of it. And this is what I'm just so, it's the hope, it's the only hope. The Bible doesn't say, by the way, that we don't weep. It just says we don't weep like others. Because understand something crystal clear this morning. Not dying is not defeating death. It's cheating death, skipping death, it's missing death. But you know what defeating death is? Resurrection. Paul says, I tell you a mystery, and not all of us are going to die. Some of us will be caught up at the sound of the trumpet. But for those of us 
that do step in before that, that our, those, we will literally resurrect with a new body, and that is telling death to suck it. <laughs> oh, death, where is your sting? Greg has entered a, a phase right now that he needs a miracle if he's going to come home. And if he doesn't get a miracle, he gets to go home. I think that it would be disrespectful of us to not walk out of here today mindful that our lives are short. You know how we could honor Greg today? Live. Go out of here and live. Fully alive. Engaged with the Spirit. Looking to, is this prison that I'm in, giving it the meaning of this is because God's got me here for a reason and I'm gonna find out what that is. This pain that I've been through, I, there's, he's not gonna waste it. Don't let the enemy steal it from you from the fear. And allow your life to be poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice of others, but it is for him. Water in, wine out. Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine. It's a miracle he's still performing today, and it's one he wants to perform with you. If you will humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, he will lift you up. It's a toast at the wedding feast of the Lamb. And the wine is you as a celebration to a father that loves you. Would you stand and let's pray? Men in this room, at the core of who you are, God put inside of you a need for adventure, for risk. The greatest gift you can give your families is to come alive. Don't let life buckle that down inside of you. Let the Holy Spirit lead you in which direction you're going to do. There's an old saying, this guy named Howard Thurman, that says, don't ask what the world needs and try to do that. Ask what makes you come alive and then go do that because what the world needs is more people who are fully alive. Jesus says, I've come that you might have Life. You know what will make you come fully alive? Being filled with the Spirit because it's going to fill you with purpose and send you across the hall, across town, across the world. Send you to in the face of things that are going to make you scared that when you press through it, on the other side is a life that you don't need rehab from. Let's pray. Jesus, we lift up before you Greg and Tracy and Jackson, Martha. Lord, if this is the final stretch, <laughs> I could see you in my mind's eye standing up for a one-man standing ovation as Greg comes home. But if I have anything to say about it, Lord, I would love if you would heal him. If it's up to me, I would love a huge miracle because I know this is a guy that'll go tell everybody about it. I know that his little boy, oh, I just know it, Lord. That's my prayer. Lord, would you heal him? And if he steps through to eternity, 
Lord, would you give us the strength and the peace to press on, knowing that we'll see him again. You promised us a peace, Lord, that surpasses understanding, not one that comes from it. Let us hold on to the peace that surpasses it today. It's in your name that we pray, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.